0: He wouldn't shut up. So we gave him a talk show. Sometimes I'll start a sentence, and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. Adam Crowley on ESPN
1: Pittsburgh. Is Le'Veon Bell at a strip club? Is Le'Veon Bell at his mom's house? Is Le'Veon Bell walking down the street here on the south side? Is Le'Veon Bell on an airplane? Is (laughs) Le'Veon Bell in Miami? I don't care anymore. I'm done with him. And the Steelers are too until he comes back. I'm looking forward to talking about and watching actual football, which is exactly what I would not call last night's game. 26 penalties. Julio Jones... Catching the football, yet somehow not catching the football. Is Le'Veon Bell in Miami? Is Le'Veon Bell at the strip club? Is Le'Veon Bell at his mom's? Is Le'Veon Bell at the Carson City Saloon? No, I am. We're back, baby. The Bud Light Happy Hour from 6 o'clock until 7. Come on by. Drink some Bud Lights. Hang out with us. Get smacked, because Penn State pit is this weekend, and the Steelers open up, of course, at the Cleveland Browns. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me on site at the Carson City Saloon. Shirtless Tom back in the studio, presumably behind some glass. Check them out on Twitter at FBomber73 at ButtonPusher970. The Steelers need James Conner to be good and they need a win. Those are the only two things that need to happen. If Terrell Edmonds starts at safety, which he will and isn't good, you can live with it. There's no Vance McDonald. He's out. You can deal with that too. I don't care how good the defense looks. I don't care how bad the defense looks. I don't care what happens along the offensive line. I don't care what happens anywhere other than at the running back position as long as the Pittsburgh Steelers win this game. If James Conner can be a facsimile of what... Le'Veon Bell has been in his prime for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We can forget about all that drama. All about the cottage cheese ass that Le'Veon Bell was grabbing. All about the holdout that's not really a holdout, but it's being called a holdout. We can forget all about what his Steelers teammates have had to say over the last couple of days. We can focus on football, and the Steelers can stop being so gosh darn distracted. As I mentioned, no Vance McDonald for the Steelers on Sunday. That does hurt. Terrell Edmonds starting at safety. I think he has to play. Uh, That means Morgan Burnett is not going to be the guy, but only because he hasn't been 100% of late in practice. They're trying to work him back. Terrell Edmonds, I've long said, is one of the Steelers' best 11 on the defensive side of the football. They need him to be on the field in whatever capacity. Whatever capacity it is, They need Terrell Edmonds to be on the field. But it doesn't matter. None of it matters if James Conner isn't good. None of it matters if the Steelers don't win. The Browns aren't horrific. Let's start there. They've got some dudes. That's what Dana Holgerson always says, the West Virginia head coach. They've got dudes. They've got dudes. It sounds kind of lame, but the Browns, they've got dudes. Miles Garrett is going to be, if he's not already, one of the best defensive players in the National Football League. And if the Steelers have a weak spot on the offensive line, what is it? I think it's at left tackle. I don't think Alejandro Vallanueva is a bad player. I also don't think he's great. Uh, that left side of the offensive line is not as good as the center, the right guard, or the right tackle. That's one place where the Browns have an advantage i think over the pittsburgh steelers then consider this as bad as the browns have been the last two years there are 53 guys that make up a football team there are 19 coming back that's it that's the list it is a small batch of browns who have sucked over the last couple of years and the guys they've replaced them with are talented whether it's free agent pickups or through the draft the browns have improved their roster talent wise they're not going to roll over this is their Super Bowl. They want to prove that they're not trash. That's their motivation. Go out there, feel and look like an actual breathing football team with a pulse, and do it at the expense of your biggest rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The offensive side of the ball for Cleveland's not bad either. Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor whatever the hell his name is, doesn't turn the football over. He's not great. He is good. It just hit me that Tyrod Terod is the drama that Cleveland's had this offseason. And the Steelers, well, they dwarf that. Every team dwarfs that, but wow, that's their controversy. The Steelers, they've got the Bell Saga. Tyrod Taylor's good. He can throw the football. He doesn't turn the football over. He can run the football, something the Steelers have struggled with you have to contain him he's not going to make the huge plays so that gives you some faith if you're a Steelers fan but he's not going to make mistakes and if you're going to beat Pittsburgh let them make the mistakes the Steelers are prone to do that they break down on the back end defensively they consistently lose contain on mobile quarterbacks at least the last couple of times we've seen them and throughout the preseason we saw that happen as well and Ben Roethlisberger and company are known to turn the football over a little bit. James Conner's got the bright lights coming down on his face for the first time since, really, last year. And even then, he wasn't the guy. Le'Veon Bell was the guy. So I think the Steelers are prone to make some mistakes. And Cleveland under Terod Taylor is just simply not going to. They led the league in turnovers last year. It's not going to happen again. I bet they're in the bottom ten of the league this year, at least from the quarterback position, in turning the football over. Do you have faith that the Steelers' set of corners can slow down Jarvis Landry and Josh Gordon? Josh Gordon hasn't played football in decades, it seems. Probably feels longer for him. You ever been smoking pot and you think, oh, how much time's it been? Yeah, it probably feels a lot longer for him than it does for us. But it's been a while. Look at him, though. Do you have faith that Artie Burns can cover him? I don't. When Josh Gordon plays, he's one of the best in the game. Simply put, he's a stud. Look at his damn biceps. His biceps have biceps, and those biceps have biceps, and those biceps have penises. Because they're men biceps. Manly man biceps. Jarvis Landry. He was a catch-the-ball-and-fall-down kind of guy with Miami Dolphins, They think he's going to be more of a big play threat this year. Now, I'll believe that when I see it, because Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, that guy doesn't throw the ball down the field. But Jarvis Landry's still a good wide receiver, and I think the Steelers will be challenged, their defense unproven, against this Browns offense, which, while it is unproven as a unit, a lot of these guys have proven themselves before. This isn't the cakewalk that y'all think it's going to be. If the Steelers do lose, Le'Veon Bell doesn't have to go to the strip club to get aroused. Le'Veon Bell will be aroused by that fact. They can't win without me. That's what he'll be thinking. And anybody who has said, Le'Veon Bell doesn't matter as much to the Steelers as the Steelers think, and as some in the media think, they'll be wrong. I'm not rooting for Cleveland to beat Pittsburgh. I don't have the Stones... To pick Cleveland to beat Pittsburgh. But if they did. It wouldn't be the worst thing for me. And it wouldn't be the worst thing at all for Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell could walk in and say. Hey boys. How'd you guys fare against the 1 in 31 Cleveland Browns. From the last two years. Without me. You don't think I'm the MVP. You don't think I'm the dude. He's got to be rooting. Against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hard. He's got to be rooting against. James Conner, hard. Let's say James Conner goes out, and he does what he did last season, but in a game. 26 carries, buck 44, goes out there and brings the funk to the Cleveland Browns. And Le'Veon Bell shows up Saturday this week, or early next week. What do you do? Do you go with the all-pro back? The guy who's a douchebag? The guy who lied to his teammates? Or do you go to the guy who helped the Steelers win when racking up 150 rushing yards? The answer is easy for me. You go with the douchebag all-pro who lied to his teammates. You go talent-wise. Mark Madden's been on a tangent saying that not one former player or current player other than the three who spoke out against Le'Veon Bell think it's a good idea for the Steelers to speak out against Le'Veon Bell. Uh, And there seems to be this overwhelming national narrative that the Steelers don't have his back and they haven't had his back and they don't care about the contract negotiations from the past and that they're sticking their hands in and around Le'Veon Bell's money. Aditi Kinkwala from the NFL Network tweeted this out. I think it's a salient point. Le'Veon Bell's teammates have had his back through one arrest Two suspensions, two off-season holdouts. They've had his back through his showing up late to a playoff walkthrough, his threatening retirement, and his strip club video. Let's not suddenly forget that. Hashtag Steelers, end quote. Aditi's right. So, for everyone saying the Steelers are upset that he's not here, it ain't that. For those saying the Steelers are mad because Le'Veon Bell's missing games and it's going to hurt their chances to win a Super Bowl, it might be that a little bit. But it's the lie. It's the lie, and that, to me, proves that it's the lie. They've stood beside this guy when he was a jackass, and when he got suspended, which hurts the team before, but he didn't lie about that. He got caught with the marijuana. He was smoking the weed, as our boy Stephen A. says. The weed. They don't care about him missing games. I don't think that they cared all that much about Martavis Bryant missing games the first time around when they were mad about Martavis, it was the second time when he said he got better and lied about it. Man, lies are devastating. Lies hurt people. Missing games? I think that they can wrap their heads around that. Thanks, Didi. Air 5. Last night's game sucked, but it was also great. I know that sounds ridiculous. But it was a microcosm of really what happened to Atlanta last year and Philadelphia, and it was exactly the same thing that happened in the divisional round playoff game between those two teams. It was close, and at the end of the game, Julio Jones wasn't making the play. Although he kind of made the play yesterday, he just didn't get his feet in bounds. It was a great catch, but it wasn't a catch. Earlier on in the game, there was a great catch that wasn't a catch, but that was different. Nonetheless, mind-numbing. The Eagles, I think are going to be the next Patriots. And I know it's prisoner of the moment. I know they're the new hot thing with the new slash old hot coach with the new hot knee-braced quarterback. But they keep winning with Nick Foles. They won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. They won last night's game when Nick Foles threw for 117 yards. They don't need a good quarterback. They need one who's not going to F it up. Here's the problem, though, for the rest of the league. Here's why they become the Patriots. The next guy won't F it up, and he'll help win games. His name's Carson Wentz, and I dub he the next one. They've got a great coach who understands RPOs and all the nuances of today's National Football League. They've got the most talented roster in the league with a front on defense and offense that nobody bests. And they've got Carson Wentz coming back. You tell me they're only winning one. When the Seahawks lost their chance at their second Super Bowl, I said they're done. So I'm always right. And I will say that the Philadelphia Eagles, yeah, they're going to win a couple more of these things before it's all said and done. Jalen Ramsey says he could play in the NHL in six months. That is dumb. He could not. I think hockey players could play corner first before Jalen Ramsey could play hockey. I think that they could figure out how to run and swat a football away before Jalen Ramsey could figure out how to skate and handle the puck and figure out the nuances of the game. But I'm not going to take it all that seriously. I think I could play corner in the National Football League. I could. I could cover Darren Sproles. I'm bigger than him. Okay, I couldn't. Pitt Penn State on Saturday. Penn State's going to win. Coming up next, Jerry Dulack of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network will jump on board. He'll give the scouting report for the Cleveland Browns. We'll get his take on Le'Veon Bell. Is he at the strip club? Is he in Miami? Is he on a plane? Is he at the Carson City Saloon? No, we are. Come say hi. It's Crowley show.
2: Adam Crowley. And back in the day, when you finished off a guy, you threw him down, and then you drilled him, you gored him. It was a way of letting them know, hey, look, I'm here all day. Uh, hello.
0: The Adam Crowley Show, 970 AM, 106.3 FM, and the I Radio app. Drill them, you gored them.
1: I'm about Lev Bell out. Um, I'm done with it. I can't stand the conversation anymore. I guess we still have to talk about it a little bit. Jerry Dulac, now of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network, joins us. He's sponsored by Frank B. Feuer Wholesale and the Clubhouse in Gibsonia, serving yingling lager, 16-ounce drafts, 225 all day on Saturday. Big game on Saturday, too, Pitt and Penn State. Jerry Dulack joins us now. Uh, Jerry, before we get into the Browns, before we get into the actual football side of things, uh, just quickly, your take on everything that's happened with Lev Bell.
2: Well, Adam, I think uh, you know the thing that has everybody up in arms and is generating the most conversation, beside the fact that he is not here, is uh, what the how the players have reacted and, and what they have said. And and you know, a lot of people nationally, including former players, want to make it sound as though, oh, okay, you never talk about somebody's contract. Now, when when Ramon Foster probably regrets bringing up I wish I had some of his money, you could throw some of those millions my way, he makes ten times what I make. Uh, beyond that, I think it, I think that what these people are missing is there's no contract negotiation to be had here.
0: Yes. There's no
2: business side to take care of. That is all done. Now it's either $14.5 million or or not. You're either showing up or you don't, and, and I think where the Steelers, the players, feel betrayed is he had indicated to them as much as last week that he would be there on Monday, and then judging from like what Marquise Pouncey said on Monday, it, it was as though it sounded as though he had talked to him as well, and he got the indication he could be there on Wednesday. So it became a game that Le'Veon Bell was playing. Because from all indications, you know the Steelers were expecting him on Monday. That was the assumption that they were making, the presumption they were going on, and so that is what has infuriated, um, uh, kind of ignited the players. And then his agent did not do him uh, uh, any, you know, did not do him any favors by painting the picture that he's worried about the wear and tear on his body for his next contract after he's going to be guaranteed $14.5 million uh, this year. So, you know, I think this isn't just about, oh, he's holding out from a contract because there is no contract. Uh, And and I think people are adding two and two and getting by and and somewhat misunderstanding why the players are upset and what's really going on here.
1: Yeah, I think you nailed it, Jerry. I think that's well said. And uh, I've been on Twitter trying to smack people down, and then I realized I just got to give it a rest. Jerry Dulac from the Post-Gazette and the Steelers Radio Network joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, I guess the next logical question, Jerry, is your faith in James Conner's ability to run the offense, if not for just this week, but uh, for the prolonged uh, sense as well, because we don't necessarily know when Le'Veon Bell's going to come back.
2: Well, that's what we're going to find out. I think the good news is, um, what we have seen, and what I saw on that one series in Green Bay—the three carries, eight yards, 24 yards, 26 yard touchdown, hitting the hole, breaking tackles, balance, strength, uh, explosion through the hole—those uh, were all positive signs. And so that's what the Steelers are banking on: that this is a different, you know, it's a it's a it's a year older James Conner, a guy who uh, you know paid attention, took his craft very seriously, came in in great shape. Um, but we're going to find out once the regular season starts how that translates. I do believe with that offensive line and what we've seen, I think he'll he'll be able to have some success. But that's what uh that's what we're going to find out. I think the only concern uh Adam is, you know, James beyond beyond his health issues with the cancer, you know, he had some had some injury issues at Pitt.
1: Right. So, you right.
2: know, durability uh, will be a question, but then we've seen that happen with Le'Veon Bell. Obviously, this, you know, three seasons not being able to play it out to the finish. So, um, I think I, I think you'll see a little bit more running back by committee, not 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 by you know just where it's spread equally. But I don't think you'll see ninety percent of the offense go through James Conner. But I do think you'll see the vast majority of it go through James Conner. For right now, you know, a couple snaps for James Ridley. I think they want to be a little careful about putting a rookie like Jalen Samuels into his first NFL game on the road and, you know, in a Cleveland environment. So I, I think you might not see a lot of him. Um, but, uh, you know, that's what we're going to find out. You know, as well as I, Adam, that every Steeler fan, 99.9% of them from here to California, want to see. Uh, uh, James Conner run for about 135 yards (laughs) and catch about six passes.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that, and I would be willing to bet that Le'Veon Bell wants exactly the opposite. Uh, Jerry, without Bell, uh, Vance McDonald's not going to play. How much does the game plan then change? I mean, you alluded to it there with the running back by committee. I kind of worry about the protection aspect for Ben Roethlisberger. Bell's such a great blocker, and he's so good at – throwing his block, getting the guy on the ground, and getting out there in the pass route. How much does the game plan protecting Roethlisberger change? And, yeah, the offensive line's very good, but so's Miles Garrett.
2: Yeah, yeah, my, and that, that's going to be the X factor for the Browns. I, I will point up, uh, Adam, that in the last four games against the Browns, Roethlisberger's been sacked only twice, so they've done a good job. You know, it, 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 uh, you know, it's not like uh, they're facing the 85 Bears here, but Miles Garrett is very good. And, uh, and uh, you know, Alejandro Villanueva is going to have to have a big game or get a little bit of help. Um, I don't know that that's going to be a big issue. But, 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 you know, no Bell, no Vance McDonald, it won't change what they do. Um, it may just change how they do it. Um, but, you know, they don't, they don't let personnel – dictate what their plan is, unless the quarterback's not playing. And as long as he's playing, um, they will they will operate the same way. Uh, they have a lot of faith in James Conner. You know, it's year two with him, as I mentioned earlier. And, uh, you know, I'm eager to see how he does as well. The one thing with James Conner that you will see and that you have seen is he hits the hole quicker. Yes. And so, you, you know, uh, without morphing back into that whole on Bell thing, but beyond... What's going on with with the uh, with him showing up? Let's just look at his performance on the field, Adam. And while his numbers are impressive, so are the amount of touches. And I will remind everybody that this is a guy who averaged 3.9 yards per carry behind arguably the best offensive line in the league uh, in an offense that has two red-letter guys for defensive coordinators with Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. His longest run was 27 yards last year, only three runs over 20 yards, That's not exactly a game-breaker or a difference-maker. Now, I'm not denigrating his abilities, but it's not exactly like they were riding Le'Veon Bell last year. In fact, Adam, quite the opposite. Go look at the last eight games of the season into the playoffs. The fewest carries Le'Veon Bell has had in any three-game stretch, five-game stretch, eight-game stretch of his career, and that's where they let Ben throw, 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 and guess what? They averaged 32.6 points a game in those final eight games. That's when their offense uh, is operating at its best. Not handing it off to Le'Veon Bell is when they let Ben take care of the ball and throw it.
1: Jerry, Terrell Edmonds going to get the start here on Sunday. When he was drafted, I, like a lot of people, thought, really? This guy, not highly graded, didn't have a great year at Virginia Tech. And you look into it a little bit more, and Virginia Tech, his last year, he's banged up. Uh, Probably wouldn't play if it's not in college, where they're just trying to milk everything out of these guys. And everything I saw in training camp and in the preseason games made me think, man, I was wrong. I think a lot of people were wrong. I think this guy can play, and I've said he deserves to be one of the 11 guys on the field, maybe at all times. I think he's that talented uh, what do you expect from Terrell Edmonds uh, it's a big task starting your first game on the road but how do you think he'll handle it how will the Steelers use yeah.
2: him yeah I don't think he's going to come in and be a dominating player now but I'm with you Adam he's a, he's going to be a, and is a very good player um, and the Steelers know that and yeah on draft day people were a little surprised Terrell Edmonds you know in the first round are you kidding me um, but uh, when you look at him and look at the type of player he is, when you look at his size and his physical ability, and, uh, you know, he's a smart kid, um, you know, and you see him on the field, you, you get it. Now, I will say this. I am not – he will start, and I said that the other day, but I am not certain that he will start on merit or because Morgan Burnett is still a little bit banged up. Okay. Now, because they were going into – the right after the preseason game, worried if Burnett – and or Mike Hilton would be ready to go because of those nagging injuries. Mike Hilton is ready to go, and and it could be it could be because Burnett is still a little bit banged up. That being said, I think you'll see Morgan Burnett in in the sub packages playing in the you know in the uh, in the box down by the down by the line of scrimmage. But I, I, I'll wait another week just to be certain that whether Terrell Edmonds is starting on merit. Uh, or because he's moved ahead of Burnett, or because Burnett was a little bit banged up. Either way, at some point this season, Terrell Edmonds uh, would have moved into the starting lineup on Merritt.
1: Jerry, how much better are the Browns?
2: Well, I don't think there's any question. You go up and down their roster, it is so much more talented than it was. You know, they have three pretty good re- – well, two very good receivers and three good receivers. Uh, you know, with Antonio Callaway, who's looked very good in the preseason – but the addition of Jarvis Landry, you know, David and Joku, uh, you know, they're they're just waiting for this guy to be an elite tight end. I think their offensive line is suspect. But they have, you know, they brought in Chris Hubbard. They have Kevin Zeitler, right guard, and Joel Batonio, whether he goes left guard or left tackle. And on defense, they have two very good playmakers and probably three. in Miles Garrett, Jabril Peppers, who you will see play closer into the box to take advantage of his playmaking abilities, and Jamie Collins. So, I think roster-wise, talent-wise, they're much better. I just don't have a lot of faith in their culture in Hugh Jackson, who I really don't think will survive. Um, You know, they have to overcome that, and that's a big thing to overcome, Adam, and I I really don't know that he'll survive midseason, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't expect so. Uh, Just seeing him on hard knocks, And just seeing the way that he runs the organization uh, makes, I think, people who have been around the Steelers organization kind of throw up in their mouths a little bit. And I would assume Todd Haley might feel somewhat similarly. Uh, With Todd Haley being the offensive coordinator now in Cleveland, do you think that that is an advantage for the Browns? Or do you think the Steelers are tinkering enough on the defensive side where maybe he doesn't quite know what to expect?
2: Yeah, I mean that could work both ways too because you know the Steeler defense has an idea of what Todd Haley likes to do and call. Um, I think he will make them better. I don't think there's any question. I mean, you can't argue what he did with the Steelers. I mean, you know they were they didn't fire Todd Haley because he wasn't getting the job done. uh, You know, running that offense. So, um, you know, I think you know I texted Todd a couple weeks ago and asked him if he still has his hair because I could just imagine him wanting to pull his hair out, and you saw in hard knocks, you know, him just baffled at, at, at the thought process of not playing injured players. Even Jarvis Landry, who came from the Miami Dolphins, for God's sakes, it, you know, is up in arms over the culture. They're yelling at their receivers in the receiving room. You know, uh, you know, you, you saw that profanity-laced speech on, on hard knocks. I mean, that's what you're dealing with with the Browns, and it could be maddening to overcome, especially to people like Todd Haley, who's been in this organization. And you don't just walk in overnight and change the culture, especially when the guy who was in charge of them the last two years, who was 1-31, is still in charge and calling the shots. So, uh, I, you know, I think that's what that's going to be a tough battle for the, them to overcome. But I don't think there's any question their roster is much, much improved. And, you know, they have Baker Mayfield waiting. they drafted Denzel Ward number one. That's not what I would have done. But, you know, there are two players who you would think, fingers crossed for them, should help them going forward. Jerry,
1: really appreciate the time, man. Uh, Have fun covering the game on Sunday, and uh, we'll talk soon.
2: All right, Adam. Good chatting with you, my friend.
1: Take care. There he goes. That's Jerry Dulac of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and, of course, the Steelers Radio Network. And he is brought to you by Frank B. Feuer, Wholesaler. And the clubhouse in Gibsonia serving English lager, sixteen ounce drafts, two twenty five all day on Saturdays. This Saturday big football game between Pitt and Penn State, if you ask Pitt people, if you ask Penn State people, not a big game. It's a Friday, which now until the end of the season means it is a Friday we spend at the Carson City Saloon, but it also means, boys, it's a free movie Friday. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Adam Tickets is back with Free Movie Friday and your chance to win a pair of movie tickets to see the new horror movie, The Nun, in theaters today. It's so scary, we have to give away two tickets so you don't go alone. Text BURGER to ATOM1. That's BURGER to 28661 for your chance to win. Standard data and text message rates may apply. Uh, Brian, you attended a Catholic high school, so... The nun sounds like a horror film I'm telling you, you, I've already seen
0: that film. I saw it for 12 straight years, and I don't want to go back, but I'll use Adam Tickets to see another movie, just not that one because of post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, my dad used to be a lefty. He's not
1: anymore. Thanks, Nuns! They tried to beat that out of me as well. You wouldn't take it. Nope. Coming up next, there's one thing Jerry said that I don't agree with. I'll bring that back. And the Eagles and Falcons. But it's Crowley's show. The Adam Crowley Show. What is that? It's there's some still <laughs> uh, oh, there's some still stuck to my mouth. Get rid of it. I can't. And it's awful. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I heard a little bit of Harry Carey.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Adam Crowley uh,
1: on ESPN Pittsburgh. We'll get to my disagreement with Jerry Dulac in a few minutes here on the Crowley Show. But for the second time this week, breaking death news, big time death news, as Mac Miller at the age of twenty six has passed away due to a reported overdose. I know that Tom and Brian were talking about Burt Reynolds and how that really hit them yesterday. I'm not a big movie guy; that really didn't hit me much at all. Mac Miller, though, like soundtrack to my college. Knock, knock. Come on. Crowley. Look... (laughs) <laughs> Program? Okay. Self-care? Are you going to tell I, him, Brian?
0: I've got to tread carefully. I cannot allow this show to knock Burt Reynolds off the top of this week's death chart. Can't Completely do agree. it, man. I, I, Burt Reynolds is the one. Look, I, I allow you to get a little upset off the air, but yesterday you didn't give the kind of respect I I think, and I know Tom thinks, that Burt Reynolds deserved, and now you're here with Mac Miller going on. I, I, I don't feel it here.
1: Yeah, I really wish you wouldn't have even brought up that Mac Miller died on the air. I don't even think that that's newsworthy, to be honest. Whoa! It, it is. He don't even know where Le- place here, at least.
0: We, we have no idea where Le'Veon Bell is. Yes. And you've got to talk about Mac Miller. The
1: game is two days away, the season opener. Well, you know who's not going to see it? Mac Miller. Why? Or Burt Reynolds, which is a more important thing. Mac Miller was 26, Burt Reynolds lived a great life He was 82 years old He had that much
0: joy to insert into our world That much more time to make us happy about ourselves That much more time to give us things like Smokey and the Bandit To give us awesome things like a great mustache and how cool it looks
1: Yeah, when you just brought up his age again It made me think we had at least 10 more years with Burt
0: Yeah, Burt uh, Mac Miller didn't have the, the wherewithal to go that long Diablo Weekend. These are songs that shape
1: my college experience.
0: Burt Reynolds shaped your college experience, and you didn't even know it, man. That's how powerful Burt Reynolds is. He goes to the absolute soul of everything. Everything, partying's cooler, drinking's cooler, driving around with friends is cooler because of Burt Reynolds. And you don't even realize it because it's so embedded in society right now. Actually,
1: he invented all of those things. your right, party, Mom. That's drinking science. with your friends, driving around with your friends. Bert Re- those things don't come to be without Burt Reynolds. That's Mac fact. Miller didn't do anything like that. There's yeah, actually but- no Mac Miller today if there's no Burt Reynolds. That's, not, that's so exactly right. Spot on. I disagree wholeheartedly. Uh, I think Mac Miller did in his 26 years more than Burt Reynolds did in his 82. Oh, that is the dumbest thing you have ever said. No, on you're this just show. you're just old. That's the dumbest is thing what it you've is. ever said. I Tom mean, agrees with me. Tom's an old soul, Brian. <laughs> Tom and Joe and all the people around the show—they're all old souls, except for me. And that's why Mac Miller hit me the hardest. It hit me. You're wrong. 26 years old, though. That is young. Ah, we got a drug problem in this country, man.
0: Yeah, that's the sad part. I mean, we're joking around about it. But, yeah, this this crap's just taking too many people out. It is. That's a public service announcement brought to you by The Crowley Show. The more you know. Build the wall. Do not do drunk. (laughs) Or something in between
1: that. (laughs) Don't do. I almost said don't do drunks. (laughs) But if we didn't do drunks, then. Well, I guess there would be less legitimate children out there. Anyway,
0: <laughs> I, got, I got a break for one second. Yeah. So, there used to be this public service announcement that ran on radio stations back in the late 80s, early 90s. See, this guy's hold, And it was this guy, Dwayne Stump. And Dwayne was definitely a drinker, right? And he was an old rock guy. And he'd come on and be like, hey, this is Dwayne Stump, man. If you're going to drink this weekend, make sure you drive. And they're like, no, Dwayne, that's not it, man. That's not it. He's like, all right, if you're going to drive, make sure you got beers. And like it was this whole public service announcement where he kept screwing it up and then eventually at the end they took everything and edited it together. He's like, "Dwight, Dwayne Stump, don't drink, drive.
1: <laughs> it's the greatest public service announcement ever. Alright, well since sorry. No, since you took the turn, I gotta I gotta come back with another turn for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I have a lot of buddies who work in Steelers T V at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex and a couple of years ago they had the teleprompter set And all the Steelers players were going to come in. And they had to wear a fireman's helmet. And then at the end of the thing, they had to take the fireman's helmet off and say, we are supporters of first responders here for the Pittsburgh Steelers. or something to that effect. Well, every Steeler comes through. Every last one of them. One take, one take, one take, one take, one take, one take. Antonio Brown comes in. Ah, They're going on like ten takes here. A.B.'s reading off the teleprompter. At the end, he nails it. Nails it. Sticks the landing. Everyone's jammed out. We get that. Get the hell out of here. Let's go to happy hour at the Carson City Saloons. Have a couple toddies. Have a great night. But just before you would cut it off, on the prompter it says, tap the helmet. No. Antonio Brown says, I'm Antonio Brown of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tap the helmet.
0: and this is the guy
1: who referred to himself as the goat today hey I'd rather have him tap in the helmet than Le'Veon Bell wearing the helmet any day that's what I say here's where I disagree with Jerry Dulek, though because Le'Veon Bell I would like to see wear the helmet more so than I'd see James Conner wearing the helmet Dulek said Bell wasn't the focal point of the offense in the second half of the season last year, when they averaged 32 points per game. The year before that, the Steelers were 4-5. and five. They didn't know what their direction was offensively. They gave Le'Veon Bell the ball to the tune of 147 yards a game. They didn't lose a game. I can even throw that one out, though. If a player's playing 90% of the snaps, and that's what Le'Veon Bell was doing last year, he's got value. If the Steelers are willing to pay $33 million to someone... They were, to Le'Veon Bell. $70 overall, he's got value. They think he can affect games. They think that he can win games. I agree with everything Jerry Dulac said in the last segment, except for Le'Veon Bell's not a game-breaker. Since when does it matter whether you can go 25 yards on a carry or not? Yeah, you can change the game in one play. Le'Veon Bell changes the course of the game... Because of how much he's on the field. The whole game plan is going to change this weekend because he's not in there. James Conner is not going to play 90% of the snaps. James Conner can't run routes the way that Antonio Brown, or Le'Veon Bell can run routes. James Conner can't block the way that Le'Veon Bell. Nobody on the roster can do those things. They can try. They will run some routes for James Conner. They can't do it the way that Le'Veon Bell does. So to say that he wasn't the focal point of the offense last year... Well, yes and no. When you play 90% of the snaps and no other running back in football was in the 90 percentile, then he's obviously that valuable. Everything changes when he's not out there. And when you say Ben Roethlisberger can sling the ball all over the field, can throw the ball, can air it out, and that's why the Steelers won, you don't think having Le'Veon Bell, the threat of Le'Veon Bell in the backfield, means anything? Think about what happened in the AFC Championship game two years ago. Everyone always wants to focus on the defensive side of the ball. The Steelers played too much zone. They were going to allow Tom Brady to carve him up. Well, let's look at the offensive side, what the Pittsburgh Steelers did then. It wasn't their fault, but before Le'Veon Bell got injured, the Patriots had an extra guy in the box. After Le'Veon Bell went out of the game, they pulled that guy out of the box. They started doubling Antonio Brown. They started putting another safety back there so that they couldn't throw the ball. It changes the entire game plan, and Le'Veon Bell touching the football is one aspect of what he does so well, but him being on the field as much as he always is is the other part of the equation when you consider how he affects a game. I don't think that you have to break off 40, 50-yard runs to be a game changer. I think you just need to change the game, if that makes sense. It does to me. Le'Veon Bell's mere presence changes the game. 4129222874. 4129222874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Last night's Eagles Falcons game, I can still taste it a little bit in my mouth, because I kept throwing up. Twenty-six penalties for two hundred and thirty-six yards. Yes or no? Did Nick Foles throw for more yards than they called for penalties yesterday? Ah, no. Two thirty-six in penalty yards. 117 for ye old Super Bowl MVP. Now, as boring as it was in actual game action, it was kind of sexy a little bit too. It was one of those odd ones where you're driving down the highway and you're bottlenecking because someone's motorcycle exploded and you got to see the carnage. It's entertaining while also being horrific. This was entertaining while being horrific because it had some NBA-type elements. The Eagles trolled the beep out of the New England Patriots. They ran the Philly Philly. The Philly Philly. Be a little bit more creative with the names next time. Eagles. But it was the same exact play that the Patriots ran in the Super Bowl where Tom Brady dropped the ball. And Doug Peterson admitted after the game that it was that play and that they just did it in different personnel. 11 as opposed to 12. Or 12 as opposed to 11. I don't remember. I, I, I was hammered as bleep during the Super Bowl. But they trolled them. And they executed Nick Foles, the GOAT, at catching the ball from the quarterback position. Tom Brady, just the GOAT at the quarterback position. The other thing that that made it sexy, even though it was not sexy, was that at the end of the game was the same circumstances last year in the playoff game, where Julio Jones couldn't make the play. He made the play more this time because he actually caught the football. Last year went right through his hands. He catches the ball. It's a hell of a play. Rips it off the defender's helmet, but his feet land out of bounds. They're the exact same team as they were last year. As are the Eagles, they're good. Atlanta, they got some problems. Let's go to Devin first up today on a Friday. Hello, Devin.
2: Hey, I think the Eagles would be good once they get the back. I don't know about, who uh, was looking extra shaky, Foles.
1: Doesn't matter, though. I, that's the whole point. Their it's defensive matter. line's so good. Their offensive line's so good. I was a little bit worried about Nick Foles' ability to perform in a big game, though.
2: Well, I don't know how he did it in the playoffs last year, but you know the magic strikes. It looks like the uh, what's his name? the quarterback for the uh, Baltimore
1: Flacco. Like
2: he he had that magic, and now he doesn't even look like the same quarterback. That's not what I call it the Taco about. I don't understand why you keep on talking about what it is to not have Layton Bell. We don't have a man. What are we going to do? Should we not
1: show up Sundays and play football? You know what? They should just let Cleveland take the field. I bet they'd still lose. By themselves. Let the Browns march out there on the field. I I think it's important, though, when I think there's disinformation that's put out there to correct it. And I I think there's this narrative, not just from Jerry Dulac, and I got to run, Devin, appreciate it, that the Steelers don't need Lev Bell to win. They might not need him to make the playoffs. I think they can't win the Super Bowl without him. And to diminish his greatness, just because he wasn't breaking 35-yard runs every game, I I think is disingenuous. Coming up next, we talked to Fat Jack. Let's get some gambling advice, fatjacksports.com. He's next, college football, NFL, mostly the pro ball. It's a Crowley Show.